Good morning. Welcome to the Bond Sunday Morning Services. I am Jesse Lee Peterson. I appreciate you being a part of it. You can get involved anywhere in the country by calling 800-411-BOND, 1-800-411-2663. You can also email us, right, uh, church at bondinfo.org, church at bondinfo.org, and put your name and town on your emails. And good morning to everybody here. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you guys showed up. Um, I want to talk to you. Uh, well, first I want to say um, the one thing I want to cut out a little bit is that I am not coming here every Sunday just to talk to you. I want to hear back from you. And I know you guys are getting a little more relaxed in that you just wait to hear what the preacher have to say. And you're not bringing good news, you just come to hear how wonderful I am. And that's not helping you, but it's helping me. And the only way I know that I'm helping you is that you have to come back with, oh, you should come with questions and answers about what you're discovering. Maybe I said something that you did not understand. I know at the average church that you go to, the preacher just preach at you. You say amen and go home and your lives have not changed at all, or you have no understanding about what's going on. So I don't want to get in the habit that you're coming here every Sunday just to hear me talk, all right? And I know some of you have issues that you need to deal with. So uh, do anybody have any questions or anything about anything we've discussed so far? Last week or anything? Did you have a life this week? <laughs> any challenges from the devil? It's a perfect order. And when men and women understand that spiritual order of God and Christ, Christ and man, man over woman, woman over children, all it does is organize your life so that you and your cho children can have the best life. And it's not a competition at all. It just, it's a spiritual order. And there is a, uh, a hatred of that order. You know, we're at a point in society where society hates that the man is the head of the woman. And there's a, 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 an attempt to destroy that. Because when you destroy that, uh, Satan understands that God's order is not going to work and it's over. That he can, because he made a promise that he's going uh, he to take every woman and child. They're going to belong to him. And so if he can break that order, then that's the way he can get in there to the, uh, claim the soul of mankind. But when that father is ahead of his wife and children, as Christ is ahead of him, then the devil cannot get in. He has no way of getting in there to destroy the family. If you notice that whenever in homes where men are not in control, the wives are out of control, the kids are out of control. They're just messed up. And then the government comes in and become the daddy of the family. And one thing just leads to another. But if you keep that father there, if that father stays in his home and protects his family, understanding that he is in a spiritual battle for his family, then God, uh, heaven is created on earth. I look at men now, they're getting so, I was looking at a friend of mine being interviewed, he and his wife was in, doing an interview, and she wouldn't even let him speak at all. Every time the, uh, the, uh, the host asked a question, and she would jump in. And it just made him look weak and pathetic. And I'm thinking, this is, not, this is not a beautiful sight here. There's nothing worse 
nothing worse than a weak man. True. It's like a weak God. Can you imagine God being weak? Well, it's the same thing. When man is weak, God is weak. Because he represents God in the home. He represents God on the earth. And men are weak, and they're getting worse and worse and worse. Because there's an attack upon them, and they don't realize what's happening to them. And women hate men. And I'm sure there are some who don't, a few, a handful, one or two, who have had good fathers, and they love their fathers, and they're close to their fathers. Then those type of women don't hate men because they love that order. They understand that order. They have grown up loving their fathers, so they have respect for men. But if they don't love their fathers, they're going to hate every man. And their mission in life is to destroy you. They don't want to, but that thing inside of them make them do it. I, um, I see kids right now who are being raised by single mothers, mothers who are not married. And, they, and they're like three and four years old, five years old. They have already been bitten by the serpent. I can see their personality is already changing. Uh, some are very submissive, emotional. Others are already, you know, uh, kind of disorderly. They don't really listen to instruction well. One is rebelling, the other one is submitting to that, that anger of the mother in the home. I see it as little kids. I'm like, wow, it's interesting to see this. And by the time they're teenagers, nobody's going to be able to tell them anything. The father's not doing it because he's not there. The mother's the one setting them up to fail. And we have to be honest about it so women can overcome their anger and hopefully, first of all, stop having your children out of wedlock, but secondly, uh, stop passing that anger on to their children. I could see it in little kids right now where they're, they're already changing. There's a spiritual battle and people just don't realize it's spiritual. And you guys are looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> or, but that's what's going on, spiritual thing. And, and, and women do hate men. Mama hate them. <laughs> Grandma hate them. And they turn their little boys into weak men, potential men. Yes, Mark? Two things that uh, you, you sparked in me to um, comment on. One is the, um, the thing about um, the devil. You know, as Christians, we have um, God, Jesus, and the devil, and it's it's it sometimes seems. I, I realize when we're talking to people out there that it's almost like a like made up stuff. You know, like make believe stuff. You're yeah. talking about the devil, and it's like a person, that, and it's kind of like Santa Claus and all the other made up ones, and and that just struck me as a little bit odd. But that is the the core of what's going on. Yeah. And yet, I know a lot of people when they say the devil, or, or they'll tell someone, you know, the devil made you do this, or that it seems almost funny, you know, when, when they say right. it, and they're kind of embarrassed about it, and they, people don't really say it seriously. And then the other thing is... Uh, but it is true that the devil is making them do it. It really is true. But you're right, they take it almost as a joke. Yeah. But you're either controlled by the prince of darkness or you're controlled by the light, the love of God. You are not in control at all over anything. Every decision you make is made by the one you serve. 
which was and that just reality which led me into the second thing I, it, it does I didn't realize it but it, it leads into the second thing which was when you said the comment people do what they don't want to do yeah. you know when it comes to you know judging each other and and carrying on wickedly that they don't want to do this <laughs> yet you know when you talk to them and sometimes when they're right in the in the in the heat of what they're doing that it seems like it is what they want to do because they're right. stubborn about it and, and willful and, and they don't want to admit to it how do you come up with that that they're <laughs> well not the only reason the only reason it seems to you that they are doing something that they don't want to do is because you're blind and can't see you you know that's why God said that we should know ourselves ourselves because if we can know ourselves then we can understand what's driving the other person. I can clearly see, and for the last 20 years, I've been able to see that I am not in control of my life at all. And so whatever happens is happening because something inside of me is influencing it. And so if I can see that about myself, when I run into an angry person and they are doing things to me or saying things that I know is wrong, I can also see that they can't help themselves. And by seeing that they can't help themselves, it prevents me from hating them. Because I wouldn't want to be hated for doing something I can't help myself to do. And also by not hating them, it keeps me closer to God. So, it keeps me with peace. So you're saying they can't help a single aspect of what they're doing? No. They can't help the denial of it or, you know, That's right. the repentance? They can't help That's a good that. question, man. Can they help the denial of it? No, they can't. And the reason that they, they can't help the denial of it because they're living in a state of darkness and denial seems rational to them. When you make up an excuse for what you do, it seems like that seems logical. That's why you're making the excuse up. Because it seems the devil is giving you words to say and you think that they're your words to excuse what you're doing. When God says, when you're in the light, God says, uh, your, your answer should be yes or no. Or, you know, I'm sorry, and that's it, without excuses. But in darkness, Satan, Satan want to keep you there, and the way he keeps you there is by giving you excuses for being there. You make up excuses for doing wrong, then you're serving your father the devil. That's why God made it clear in the Bible, you are of your father the devil, because he's taking care of you. He give, his voice, it's weird too, his voice sounds like your voice. So even the ex making excuses seem rational to them. So, well, the reason why I'm asking this line of questions is... Um, but if you're of the light, the light that's shining through you will correct that and it'll bring a sense of pain to it. It will, it will awaken their consciousness. It will give them pain for being wrong. And it's not you giving them pain, but the love that's coming through you. And that's because they don't have a conscience anymore. They don't have the mind of God. But if you have the mind of God, you will point it out and know you're wrong. And then they'll scream as though you threw water on them or something. <laughs> like a, a witch. But that's what you're supposed to do. If you're a man or a woman of God, you're supposed to rebuke the devil in someone else. Simply by being honest with the person. Can Isn't I, that nice? But can't we see... Or, you know, people in general, can they not see even when they're 
like real overboard with it, real extreme with it. You know, because you say we live in, or we cannot see, and we live in darkness, which is why we keep doing these things. These things keep, this, this spirit keeps working through us. Yes. And because we can't really see that. It's, is that even true after it's all over? Like say, you know, when you blew up or when you judged afterwards? You can't. Oh, that's a good question. Now, some people do, like once you do somebody wrong, you know you're wrong, and you think about it later, you start to have conflict. And instead of facing the conflict, they go get high. <laughs> you know, they, they go eat some food or smoke a joint. You know what a joint is, right? You still smoking them? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do know what it is. Uh, I've oh. seen it in pictures. <laughs> yeah, so you do have that moment where your conscience comes and try to wake you up. Like, you know you were wrong for what you did. You know, but you'll go and run away from that, too. Because God is always trying to reach out to us. He's with us trying to reach out to us. But a lot of people don't like the truth, they, so they go away from it by using products. But don't you think he's a little too subtle with most people? What do you mean? Well, <laughs> you know, you have this conflict, but you don't know what the heck to do with it. Right. There's nobody really around to tell you. To tell you. That's a good point. when they tell you, it's like there's still some kind of block in people. Oh, I got it. Well, reality is... Now, even though people do wrong and they can't help themselves because they're driven by their father, the devil, we all still know right from wrong. The one good thing that God did is that he made it possible for us to know right from wrong. And so the fact that we know it is what kind of catch up with you to know that you're wrong. So even in the conflict, they still know that they're wrong. They just don't know how to overcome it. They don't understand what's making them do it. Then what do they do with that? They suffer until they wake up. <laughs> and that's, a, that's an interesting thing about it. God will let you just suffer until you die or you die with it or overcome it. Because he's, not, he's made the way by sending Christ but he's not going to force you to do it. He'll remind you like a good father, but he would never force you to do it. You know, what I'm thinking is if you're so, if you're so um, uh, blind that you are suffering needlessly after you've seen this truth. Um, but once you truly see the truth, once you're born again, you, no, you never have to suffer again. But until that time, you suffer. You suffer, and there's not this, um, let's see. I lost, I lost my conclusion where this, is, <laughs> where this is going. Let me tell you an interesting thing. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, and I realized, and, and we were talking, I, I was telling him that I realized that People in America today, and not all but most, have been brainwashed. They are asleep and don't even know it. You know, they have been brainwashed. They think that what they believe is true. And it's really not true. And they believe that it's true without any evidence that it's true. They only believe it because their mind said it or says it to them. For example, I would counsel with a, um, 
a couple the other day, and the wife was uh, became angry at the husband. She, and this is a true story. She resented the husband for something, right? And so she allowed this anger to build up and to build up and to build up until this thing told her, um, this is how you could get back at your husband. Tell the social workers that he molested his children. Hmm. And she wouldn't have told him that. Just to get back. And she's believing all this stuff to be true. She's thinking that it's her thoughts. That, and she said that after she believed that lie, everything that he did looked like it was molestation. <laughs> he would do what normal fathers would do with his kids, right? But in her mind, it looked like molestation. And so she com it convinced her that and she would have reported to the social worker, lost her to it, not even fighting to get the kids back because she snapped out of it and realized it was her anger. But, but she also realized that that kind of brainwashing has come from the media and people just accusing men of being molester. So every man she looks at now with a child looked like a molester to her. And, and a lot of people think that way, but they don't realize that they have been brainwashed to be that. So now the normal thing that parents would do with their children is abnormal. But they think that is their thoughts. They don't realize they've been brainwashed. I remember we had a, and, and I'm not pushing politics at all, but I just remember this. We had an election once, and the public elected a person that they knew nothing about. They just believed what was heard, but they knew nothing about it. And they elected a person like that, thinking that, but they, they, they don't know, they can't see that they're being influenced by something else. It's amazing that people cannot see. And when you can't see, you don't even know you can't see. That's what's weird about it. It's like a trick being played on us. At least when we're blind, we need to be knowing that we're blind, right? But you can't see that you're blind. But thank God there is a way out, and I'll tell you about it in a minute. But people are literally blind, brainwashed, and don't even know it. And that's kind of some scary stuff. Yes. Yeah, I have my conclusion now. Um, so, <laughs> so then people being so blind, and all of us were, even, even the ones who were born again, were at one point as blind, if not more so, yes. or less, who knows, who can measure that, than, than the ones who aren't ever saved. So I, I know that God being just, he must see spiritually that, that these people don't want to recover or, want, you know, it must be something much deeper than we see. Well, there are those folks who are intentionally blinding you so that that's their job. They're the father of the devil all the way. Right. They have accepted evil, so their job is to help the devil bring in the rest. So, you know, God, he'll let them go ahead on and do their right. thing. Right, it's not a spiritual thing. Right. You can't see who it is. Right, yeah. but that's their purpose. Yeah. When I was blind... I didn't think of myself as being blind because I didn't know it had anything to do with me being blind. But I knew something was wrong with me. I knew that I wasn't a man. I knew I wasn't dealing with life properly. I knew I had conflict. Even after reading the Bible and getting up praying in the morning, I still knew that something was wrong with me. With me, I just didn't know how to overcome it. And so even in being wrong, I would say to myself, I know I'm wrong. You know, this is wrong what I'm doing. Or I'm a weak man. I never deceived myself for pretending that I was strong or that I was doing and something in me would not allow me 
Now, I, I still did it, but I knew it was wrong. Whereas with a lot of people, they do wrong, but they won't even admit that they're wrong. If you can admit, if you could just know that it's wrong, but you can't help yourself, that's your saving grace. It really is your saving grace. But not to admit that it's wrong, you're doomed for destruction. And so a lot of people are not doing that. The people who are knowing that they're wrong, but they can't help themselves are the ones who are, ones who are overcoming. And that's why I say, if you're wrong, at least admit you're wrong. Even if you can't help yourself. You have to take one more drink, just say, you know what, this is wrong, but I'm going to get drunk. And I, you know, at least know it. Because you can't help it because you've been driven by something else. If Adam, had Adam said, yes, Father, I was wrong, we wouldn't be suffering today. But he said, the woman made me do it. And that's why, and the moment you say somebody else made me do it, or it's me, I'm tough, and I'm doing this, you're never going to be saved. Because that's what keeps you in a God-like role. And there's only one God, and we're not him. Him. He. Is it him or he? There's only one God, and we're not him. I was asking Christine. You know, i got to think about that. She's an English teacher. But that's what, you, that's what keep people in captivity. They will not say to themselves, I'm wrong. Isn't that something? Something as something because your ego, your pride, which is of the devil, won't let you say it. You keep thinking somehow or another it's going to get better. But it's not going to get better until you can come out of it now. Yes, ma'am. But if you're blind, how do you know to do that? And the other thing, if you're blind, you may be suffering, but you don't know you're suffering. <laughs> so you're That's really not suffering. Question. So you don't pull yourself out of it. But people know that they're having pain. They know that they have conflict. But the world they know what they're doing is wrong. I'm sorry? Everybody is having pain and conflict. So the people that you go to to get out of the pain and right. conflict are perpetuating that. That's right. So don't go to those folks. <laughs> Why would a drug addict go to a drug addict for help, you know? And they do. Well, no, those Why that would are a, in pain go to a, a counselor who is also in, in pain. Right, and the but, moment you find out that that counselor is in pain, they stop going. But you're blind and you don't know. Well, you can tell. When you don't they know where else you, to go. When they give you excuses for your ways, you know, like, oh, don't worry about it. We all do it. Then you get out of there. But you're blind. How do you know that 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 you should get out of there? Well, you're not that blind. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there are counselors out there, you know, making money, doing what. I mean, right. How many of you are out there? Right. You know, so where? I'm, I'm serious. Where do people go? And how do you know? You don't know that you're suffering. You know that you're in pain, but you don't know that you're suffering. You you know well, that suffering you need to is do something. But you don't know that you need to admit that there's nothing I can do. Oh, that's a, that's a good question. You know what? You just have to suffer until you find out. Really, there's no other way out. I mean, right now they're giving you pills to take. You know, you have pain? Yes, I have conflict. Okay, here's a, here's a volume, whatever they give you. It's a pill Yeah, but somehow, somehow or another, you're going to have to just suffer in that hell until there's something inside of you start to awaken you. You know, because I suffered until finally I realized, you know what, I'm sick of this. You know, there has to be a better way. And I asked God to let me see. You know, that if the Bible says that I should, says that I should have peace, 
and I'm calling myself a man of God, I don't have to peace, something is wrong. You know what I'm saying? And so you have to start questioning that. Ask, what, what's wrong with me? How come I can't get better? Ask God to let you see yourself. And he loves you, he will let you see yourself. Really, you have to start looking within. If it's not, if, because it's not going to work from, from the outside. You're going to have to go within and do it. Yes, Pat? Did you have your hand, Pat? Oh, okay. I was going to say, even someone born blind knows that they are blind. Yeah. Especially when they get up and walk into something. Yeah, we, we know. See, we already know, but we just don't know. We don't, because our parents, really, what I'm telling you now is the job of the father to tell you as a kid growing up. As, but unfortunately, they've been wiped out already. But, and so now you're older and you're trying to fight with this stuff. But if you had a righteous father being an example and guiding you along the way, you wouldn't suffer as long. And it wouldn't be so intense. And that's why we got to wake up the fathers so that they could guide their wives and children in the right way. Because a lot of these preachers are no good now. They're about money. You know, they're about numbers. They really are not by, about telling you the truth so you can find that and overcome. They're afraid that if they wake you up, you won't come back and bring the money. And which is true for the most part. But salvation means more than money to me. Yes, Mark? Nothing. Oh, you're done? Yes, Pat. I mean, you, you are talking about a different way of knowing that your mind is never going to tell you this stuff. So if you're in that kind of mode, yeah, you're going to be forever blind because the mind never tells you. But you do have something in you that tells you, you know, when you're danger, you're walking down a dark street, your mind might be saying, that's fine, that was the problem. But something inside you is saying, you know, don't keep going in this direction. And that's what, you know, Jesse's trying to kind of bring you back to that other yeah, way. Yeah, it's know, there. You know. It's there. It's unfortunate, though, because I'm looking at the world around me, and it's not a pretty picture. And I notice that as men become weaker, the worst things are getting. And yet, there's this attack upon men. It's, it's crazy. It, they, but it's a spiritual battle. It's a battle between good and evil. Satan is doing his job. Destroy that man, it's done. Look at what happened to the black community. They got rid of the man first. They told him, you know, the government will take care of you. They told the woman, we'll give you a little side job and you're better than your man. All hell broke loose. Now they're doing it to the white man. You're racist, you hate women, and you hate power. Because it's not a physical battle. They can wipe him out. They can create Detroit in the suburbs. It's a spiritual battle. And it's interesting. It's so interesting to put a smile up on me. The, the paradise or the kingdom of he heaven is at hand. It's right there. It's, the freedom is right there. It doesn't take but a blinking of an eye to be free. Isn't that amazing? Like something is so near, but yet seems so far away. It really doesn't take but that to wake up. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's amazing, Jesse. <laughs> You're right, sir. If I can ever figure out what you're talking about, then, yeah. But, but it's right there. God said the kingdom, where's the kingdom, God? Christ, they asked Christ, where's the kingdom? He said, at hand. And that is so true. It's so there that you're stumbling all over it. Isn't that amazing? 
And the reason you're stumbling all over it because you've been taught the other way. The teaching has made you or caused you to look everywhere else for it rather than looking at hand for it. That's what's so amazing. But it's right at hand. Paradise. Uh-huh. Now you guys are wondering, what is at hand? I can't see it. I saw Kelly first, and then I get to everybody. Yes, Kelly. Um, I might have had my hand a while ago. Did you think I was holding it up right now? I can't think of what I was going to Oh, you forgot about okay. Oh, I, I think I know. Um, you're, we're talking about suffering and um, how people do or don't know that they're suffering. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, no matter how intense it is, like people do usually know, but the problem is that when they get depressed and suffer, then they reach out to something else and Very good. Like a perpetually um, drugged state, whether it's drugs or not. It can be really subtle. You know, it could be television or whatever it is, yes. but they just keep... And they don't necessarily know that they're reaching out to something, but it's just like blindness, complete, like... Instead of asking God to come and help me, they'll reach out to something else outwardly, Mm -hmm. and whatever saves you controls you. If you're saved by the TV from your pain, if you're saved by food, or if you make a phone call or whatever, whatever saves you from it, that's what controls you. But if you be still and call on God, He'll come and save you, and he'll control you. That is a very good point. They reach out to something else from the outside. Very good point. That's what they're doing. You know, another thing I realized, too, uh, there are many things that can bring us to this straight and narrow path, but but the pathway is narrow and straight. There's only one pathway to salvation, but suffering, many kind of suffering can bring. People have all kind of suffering, right? that cause you to, you know, you may be lonely, you may be sad, you may be this, and that's what causes you to cry out to God. But there's, the pathway to him is straight and narrow, only one path. You can't take another path. You can't reach out to something else. There's only one thing you can do. And that's what's interesting about it, too. It's so near to us that... uh, I'll come back to that. You guys are like, what? I'll come back to that at the end. I don't want to confuse you guys. Pat, did you have, oh, Forrest, go ahead. Well, I had a couple of things on my mind. Uh, one, one was uh, last night, they had the Heisman Trophy present, presentation, and I called Kelly in to watch it with me. And they have uh, five of the best college collegiate football players, and they have this big build-up to it. Did anybody here see it? I did. You did? Mm-hmm. Um, so well, you feel good about that, huh, Pat? They've got <laughs> five families, and, and the five families and the whole build, and the five kids. And the, these kids are unbelievable athletes. Just. You know, each year they get bigger, and so there's 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 because five. of time. I'm gonna need a, a short shirt to this long thing. Okay. Yeah, because we're running out of time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, we had plenty of time. No, uh, <laughs> we're out of here. We Twenty minutes. Okay. I'll cut it down to uh, five minutes. Uh, um, anyway, uh, they 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 announced the winner, and he's not a particularly big kid. 
and he gets up, he's from, from the University of Alabama, and they've never had a Heisman Trophy winner, and he gets up and, and uh, naturally he's happy because, uh, you know, his whole life has been pointed for this moment, and he gets up and he starts to, to cry, uh, and, and he says, forgive me, uh, you know, I, this is a very uh, happy moment for me. I, I'm, I'm sorry, and then he proceeds to thank about 60 people, you know, that were responsible in a very, uh, in order, starting with his father. What was the more to the sermon on the cover time? Get up to it. Oh, go ahead. Um, so, starting with his father, and he thanked his father first, and his father was right in line there. His father was a a man of about six foot five, a huge man, and the mother's in, in pride, standing there smiling about her son just won the Heisman Trophy. And this guy, and the kid who won it is weeping, and the father's standing there with no emotion on his face at all. And I'm kind of thinking like, he's thinking to his son, son, pull yourself together. And, 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 and uh, he, he's, you could tell he was the leader of the family. His son thanked him first, you could tell that he was well in control. He was the only person on the stage without any emotion. He wasn't angry. He wasn't anything. He was just there in control of the situation, being like a man should be. And his his uh, his son was, uh, you know, was the best of the best. And, uh, and I just saw a lot there. He was a, just a man of, of strength. It's all like the good old days when boys were boys and men were men. Well, he, you know, he was uh, one of these solid black families. <coughs> he was black? Yeah, he was black. I, I, it never occurred to me he would be black. Why? Because you don't see black men like that anymore. No, but this, this... I was thinking of a white man. These guys, there's, there's certain, you know that there's some, some black guys that are stronger than anybody. They're out there? This guy was there, I'll tell you that. And he was, I mean, it was... Now it sure sound better to me. <laughs> you to hear my other... Take the time, brother. <laughs> but no, the point is, the man is ahead of his family. The kids are going to be strong. They recognize that, and that is the order. That's what we got to... We're trying to get people to return to that order. <laughs> what people don't realize is that the man is the god of the family. You know, he is the love of the family. He is the light of the family. He is the direction of the family. He is it. He's, he's not just a paycheck. He corrects the family. You know, he is the spiritual arm of the family, protection of the family. And I think people don't grasp that about it. They think he, oh yeah, they need their fathers. You know, they think that they just need father, but they need the wife needs the husband and the children need them too. And because of who he is. As Christ need, as the man need Christ. The, the man need Christ in the way that the woman need the man. How are you going to accept Christ? How are you going to accept God and hate the man, hate the person who represent him? You're never going to be able to accept. You can't go around the man and get to God. And there is this perception out there that you could go around the man and get to God. Even Christ said that we can't get to God unless we go through him. In order to get to the Father, you got to go to, through the Son. So how how will how is it that we're expected to get to God and hate our Father? It doesn't make sense 
But unless you understand that spiritual order, it's never going to make sense to you, and you're never going to find what you're looking for, and you will always suffer. And you can read the Bible until the cows come home. You can go to church until hell freezes over. You can hoop and holler and shout. You can feed the hunger. You can give your money, but you're never going to know God until you can love the man. It's not going to happen because of who he represents. And love means simply stop hating. You don't have to accept wrongdoing, but just don't hate. Then you have love. That's all it is. Because a lot of people think, well, if I love him, that means I have to accept when he's done wrong. No. You, as a matter of fact, you're better off loving him than not loving him for what he's done. Because now you're protected from him or her. But until you grasp that, you can meditate until the angels come in your room from heaven and sing a Christmas song to you. It's not going to do you any good. You've got to stop hating your fathers and your mothers. And most people, not all but most, 99.9.999, and I'll be yelled at for that number later. But 99.9.9.9% of people don't have their own hatred for their fathers. They have a mother's hatred for their fathers. And mothers keep passing their hatred down for their fathers. You talk to an average person, they don't even know why they hate their father. Well, he abandoned me. What do you mean he abandoned me? My mother told me he left. Why do you leave? I don't know. So the father hasn't even been around for them to hate him. They have their mother's hate inside of them, claiming it as their own, and passing it on to the next generation. And because they don't question mama, because mama is God, they don't realize that it's not even their hatred that they feel for their father. Isn't that pretty sad, Michelle? Mm, yeah. They don't even question that. You don't hate your own, you, didn't, you did not hate your father. You've been made to hate him. Because you're so connected with the spirit of mama, which already has his hatred. And then now you can't offend mama. You can't say, you know what? I hate my father with my mother's hatred. Come, mama's going to cry. And mama's going to say, I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> and mama's going to say, poor me. I'm the one raising you while he's off cheating or out working. And you, you don't want to hurt mama's feelings. But you really don't have your own hatred for your father's. Another trick been played up on you. Anybody disagree with that? I want to hear from the disagreer first. And don't be afraid to disagree. We're fellowshipping. It's not a test. Yes? I'm just curious um, if the kids uh, hate the father with their mother's hatred yes. that's been passed on to them, then their, mother, the, the, their mother's hatred for the father was passed on to them from there. So yes. that no one really knows why they're hating at anyone. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Because nobody stopped to really look at it so they can start overcoming it and then because start telling others about it. Because they looked at it and saw how ridiculous it yes. was and they would stop. Yes, ma'am. It's just that simple. Now, I'm not saying that there are no fathers out there who are not doing bad things. Don't let me deceive you on that. That's not what I'm saying. But most people have the hatred for their fathers been passed down to them from their mothers. Uh-huh. <laughs> I realized that my father wasn't there for me. 
I had a yearning for my father. I wanted my father. I did not hate my father. I hated my mother. But I was told the hatred that I had was because of my father. I just had a yearning for my father. Inside my body, I wanted my dad. But it was the anger of my mother that she had for my father that had caused me, you know, she was impatient, you know, that caused me to hate her. And that's where the hatred was. It was never for my father. But I just had the desire for him. I wanted him. But I never hated my father. And I just realized that recently. I was lied to about that. But you got to get to know yourself so you can see what's going on. The deceiver has made a promise that he's going to deceive every man, woman, and child. And he's doing it in all these different kinds of ways. It's all in the mind. It's so weird that it's like that, but that's what's going on. Let me tell you, Wayne, Wayne, did you have your hand? Yeah, I was just listening to you, and, uh, and I was thinking you know, about the black community, and that uh, this is probably one of the biggest problems in the black community is the order of things. Yes. And, and that was something that uh, was really destroyed during slavery with the black family, uh, especially then, you know, with putting the woman ahead of the man. And that's something that I don't think that has been overcome to this day. Interesting statement. Now, I'm sure in some aspect that that did happen. But for the most part, it didn't happen during that time. Well, really, this spiritual battle that we're talking about has been going on since the days of Adam and Eve. It started with them. But for the black community, it really uh, became that way over the last... 50 to 60 years when the government came in and became the daddy and took the man away and then told the woman she was better than the man, building her ego and making her hate the man. That's what really brought it on because during slavery, there was, even though the men and women were separated by force in a physical manner, there was still this respect that black men and women had for one another. It wasn't like the man was intentionally making babies and walking away or leaving the children by choice with the woman and let the government take care of it. So it didn't really, because when I was growing up in Alabama on a plantation, this type of hatred between black men and black women were not, was not, you can find it somewhere, but it wasn't like it is today. Um, but it only started after the government took over and the false black leaders started to brainwash the people for their own personal gain. When blacks were taken away from each other in slavery, it was just a physical separation. It wasn't like were, the men were being taken out of the home or ran out of the home by women or you know stuff like that. No, it so was it really done. didn't happen in the way that you're thinking that it did during slavery. Well, I, I just think it, it happened in other ways. And you didn't have the black leader, so-called black leadership, brainwashing black people too, deliberately keeping them apart for their own personal gain. You know, telling them, oh, it's racism, or you need the government. You, need, you didn't have that going on during slavery. No, I just think it happened in other ways. Yeah. You know, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, a man being able to provide for his family, uh, you know, in the job market. But uh, just women, think about women, it, though. They women. understood, black women understood why the man wasn't there. Because well, he true. was visited by force taken away. So there was no reason for her to deliberately deceive his children too or even for her to hate him because she understood by law 
And by force, he was taken away. Come on. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah, you can say that, but it still <coughs> had its impact. Well, I'm sure it has somewhat of an impact. Well, Otherwise, think it had, because if it had somewhat. had this greater spiritual impact, we would have seen 70% of black babies being born out of wedlock. We would have seen um, uh, black on black crime out of control. That wasn't going on. We would have seen, you know, all this other stuff going on that we see if it was due to what you were saying, if black women were reacting in the manner that they are today. We would have had all that stuff, but the morality was still there because they understood it was a physical aspect that was out of their control. But black people had a sense of morality during those days. Oh, they did. But they, they don't now. Yeah. They're morally bankrupt. All but five. <laughs> Condoleezza Rice, Walter Williams. <laughs> but, but, it, but it still didn't help those kids, even that the wife understood what the husband was, but yes, still it still didn't help, it, no, it didn't help it did those help kids them. when the father wasn't there. Yes, it did. Okay. Let me tell you why. Because the mother would explain to them, they knew that the father, it wasn't the mother not wanting him there. He was there because the law said he couldn't be there. He was forced away in a physical manner. So the mother didn't talk down about it. You know, she didn't hate her husband for not being there because she understood what was going on. Some mothers. Well, I, that's why I say exception to the rule, of course. Yeah. All right. Um, <coughs> yes, Christine. Um, I can understand, you know, if you've been abandoned as a woman, you know, and the man's not, a, you know, you might be projecting your, your, your frustration and, and your hurt and your hatred of, of this man. Um, but when both parents are in place and you have a strong man in the family, are you saying that if the kids um, have issues or, or hatred for the father, that it's always passed down by the wife? It's not, it's not the, the way he behaved toward the children? You said, repeat, I'm sorry, repeat that well, again. Okay, the last part was when you have a family that's in place, <coughs> the husband and wife living you know, in the home, raising the children together, and you have a, a strong husband in, in place, that if the ch children have issues or hatred for the, the father, it's only because it's been passed on by the wife but it has nothing to do with how his behavior has been with the children? Uh, if, if there is a father in the home and he is a strong father, they're not going to hate their fathers. But if there's a father in the home and he is an emotional weak father, meaning that he's angry, he's not patient with his wife and children, he's carrying on like a little female, then they will hate that. But strength is, my, what God means about strength is when the man loved God, loved Christ more than he loved anything else. He loved Christ so that the love that abideth in him can guide his family. That's what strength is, you know. Not a man who's emotionally out of control. A man who's emotionally out of control is his mother. It's not normal for a man to be that way. That's not his normal state of being. A normal state for a man is perfect love, patience, understanding, dealing with issues without overreacting to them. He's like the light of the family. Did that answer that? Yes, it does. Thank Patrick. But if the wife deals with the, the father that's not correct properly, right yeah, away, that'll help. she will shine the light much quicker, and the problems in the family will be likely dealt with a lot quicker and easier. Especially if the wife doesn't hate her husband for being weak or doesn't hate her father, and she can just be that example of what her husband should be, that would uh, convict him 
and cause them to either change or head for the hills. Absolutely. But most women are mad about that and just go from the husband and the wife. Go on. Yes, Martin. I was going to say that, you know, regarding the slavery issue, that once you've been put up on, once you've been saved from that and put up on a hill, and, and a moral hill, where you have the moral high ground, and then you yourself fall from that, that is you. It doesn't have to do now with, with, with an issue before that. Yeah. When Israel was reborn, yeah. you know, or brought back into, after they were destroyed and, and carried off and then they were brought back, and then they did the same thing over again once they were put on, it, it was all on them. Yeah. In fact, even the first one was on them. And just to add to that, Wayne, when blacks were going through a physical suffering like that in the older days, it made them stronger. It drew them closer to God. They still had to work, they had to maintain their families, but it was only when they had to stop being responsible, the government came in and said, I'll take care of you. The black preacher said, I'll take care of you. You have most black people in Mora now. It wasn't like that doing there because tougher times are supposed to make us better people. They draw us to God. And in the good old days, when boys were boys and men were men, they knew that. So they would draw closer to him instead of away from him. The, I would say the whole world is, is going through that and dealing with the order of things. How, I'm just saying that that the black community was disrupted and, and just put under extra pressure in terms of but it made us things better. in the black community. What? It's made us better, though, and then the, the rest of the world will look at us and think, wow, those are some noble black people. Hmm. I remember hearing that growing up, even from the white community. They would say black people are noble people. Because they had it made, they were fat and sassy, you know, they didn't take, you know, they had it going on. We had it not going on, but it made us a noble people. And only when we stop having it going on by working and taking care of ourselves that we start to change. That's when that started. It was, it used to be an embarrassment to have uh, children out of wedlock. Oh, of course. Even when they were in slavery, it was an embarrassment. Now, when they have a baby out of wedlock, they have a big celebration. Everybody come over. The man is not there because he's down the road making a baby with, with Sally. <laughs> well, where's the baby daddy? Oh, he's down there with, with Mary making a baby with her. Oh, okay. We'll celebrate her, her pregnancy after a while, too. It wasn't like that. It was an embarrassment. And it only happened, black people really fell 60, 50 to 60 years ago. Even, I mean, we have it so bad now that even our shop, do you hear about this? Is this true, Ermin? I don't think that's true. That's not true? Oh, I was thinking about that this morning. <laughs> yeah, How do you know it's not I true? I looked into it, I don't think it's true. From what I've seen. But, but Rabbi Schiffer sent me a thing. Yeah. That wasn't true? I think it's a joke. You think it's a joke? Yeah. Oh, I, I think it had. Uh, Tell it anyway. Because I couldn't, I couldn't, this man is a sick man, but I still, I'm thinking, he can't, this has to be something wrong. So can I still say it, even though it's not no, true? No, 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 say it. No, say it off no. camera. Say it off camera? Yeah. You can say it, that seems to be. I mean, you can say it, but it to be true, but that's so crazy. You heard about it, Christine? That's the thing. Oh, it's, it's definitely possible that this guy can do something like this. No, I don't say that. But, <laughs> but it says, that for the record, Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly is a good word, right? Uh, 
allegedly. Say it's a joke. It may be a joke. I don't know. I don't have facts that this is true. How about that? Yeah, the point that it could be true based on his character. It could be true because of his character. Does say it, don't say it. Uh, I can say it on my radio show tomorrow. Yeah, the purpose is this guy is so morally bankrupt and evil that it could possibly be true. Excuse me. So isn't that something to have that type of character that you could, someone can think that you could do something like that and call yourself a preacher? Uh, everybody wondered what he, what he did. Yeah. It's all right. He, I'm surprised everybody yeah. don't know already. Yeah, better now. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it's on the internet. Go Google Al Sharpton. Go Google Al Sharpton and craziness. And you'll find it. Let me just say in closing that, um, yeah, we are. See, for us, we are out of time. <laughs> um, God said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand meaning that it's right there and it's so simple that because you're lost in the darkness of your imagination you can't grasp it you won't allow yourself to enter in and there's only one pathway to this kingdom but there are many situations that can bring us to it our situations causes us or should cause us to admit we're wrong, cry out to him, and we shall be saved. Right? But, uh, you know, it also says that paradise is lost and found in the mind. It's a mindset. And God said that we should have the mind of God. We need his mindset. And right now, most people have the mind of the devil, the deceiver. You have the mindset of the liar, right? And, and the way you hold on to that mindset and the reason that you have it is because you're uh, a resentful person. You have not forgiven in your spirit. And, and, and by not forgiving, you're of your father, the devil, because that's his nature. And forgiveness is not something you can make happen. You just have to recognize that you have not forgiven. And so when you pray, uh, I, I want to encourage you to sit still and pray. Stop hooping and hollering. You don't have to beg. God already understands and knows your need. When you go into your prayer closet, slow down and let reality catch up with you. Face yourself so you can inwardly repent and enter into this kingdom. You need a new mindset. You need the mind of God. And when you can wake up in consciousness, wake up with the mindset of God, you're in the kingdom within. Really, you got to wake up. You got to come out of darkness and your resentment, your unforgiveness is keeping you in that mindset. It really is just right there, just like that. But you got to forgive, truly forgive in your heart, not just a word. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate it. Thank you guys, too. For more information or to purchase a copy of this show, Visit us on the web at www.bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-BOND. <laughs>